0: Hi everyone. The first reading is on page 676 of your Black Bibles. So verses 3 to 8. No foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord should say, the Lord will exclude me from his people. And the eunuch should not say, look, I am a dried up tree. For the Lord says this, for the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold firmly to my covenant... I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give each of them an everlasting name that will never be cut off, and the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord minister to him, love the name of Yahweh and become his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold firmly to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. This is the declaration of the Lord God, who gathers the dispersed of Israel. I will gather to them still others besides those already gathered.
1: Second reading is from Acts chapter eight, and that's on page 1011 of the Pew Bibles. I'm going to start at verse one. Saul agreed with putting him to death. On that day, severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. So those who were scattered went on their way, preaching the message of the good news. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds paid attention with one mind to what Philip said as they heard and saw the signs, he, the signs he was performing. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. A man named Simon had previously practiced sorcery in that city and astounded the Samaritan people while claiming to be someone great. They all paid attention to him, from the least of them to the greatest, and they said, this man is called the great power of God. They were attentive to him because he had astounded them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, both men and women were baptised. Then, even Simon himself believed, and after he was baptized, he went around constantly with Philip, and was astounded as he observed the signs and great miracles that were being performed. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had welcomed God's message, they sent Peter and John to them. After they went down there, they prayed for them. So the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet come down on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying of the the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power too so that anyone I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter told him, May your silver be destroyed with you, because you thought the gift of God could be attained with money. You have no part or share in this matter, because your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Please pray to the Lord for me, Simon replied, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Then after they had testified and spoken the message of the Lord, they traveled back to Jerusalem, evangelizing many villages of the Samaritans. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearer, So he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? The eunuch replied to Peter, I ask you, who is a prophet saying this is about, himself or another person? So so Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus. Jesus beginning from that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Then he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus, and he was traveling and evangelizing all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Ben, you've already turned me on. I was waiting for Steve. Great. Well, friends, good to see you again this week. Um, as you know, this is the, the last week in Acts before Easter, and then we have the five-week break dealing with questions we might have for God. Um, have you been enjoying Acts so far? Yeah, yeah, people have. Good. I think, I think it's a great story. I think the script of Acts, if we kind of grab just the script and change some of the characters around and put it in an alternate universe... It would be a blockbuster movie script, I reckon. It's kind of adventure or action fantasy kind of, kind of movie script. Because it's about um, the kingdom of God, the good kingdom coming into this dark world, the lightness kind of coming into the darkness. And it's on a universal scale. It's this kind of huge big picture story that's going on. And the exciting thing for me is, is that it's not just a movie that we sort of sit back and watch at a distance. It actually is a story that invites us in. Uh, It's almost like reality TV, uh, so that as we become followers of Jesus, it becomes our script. Uh, We become uh, characters in this great story. Um, And that's what I think is going on in in Acts chapter 8. What we're seeing is is God's good kingdom coming into this dark world, um, coming into uh, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, but coming through a very ordinary obedient speaker, ordinary Christians. We're going to see that in our text just from the very four, first four verses, and then we'll see it fleshed out again in Samaria and then with the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, so would you look with me at, at, at chapter 8 and verse 1? Here we see this sort of general pattern, this theme uh, worked out just in these first four verses. Uh, first, we're going to see God bringing his good kingdom into this dark world. Uh, Saul has just agreed with putting Stephen to death. Uh, you see, what you've known has been happening is that the church in Jerusalem has been growing and growing, and yet at the same time, persecution has been growing and growing, and it climaxed last week with the stoning of Stephen. But then, as we read on, on that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. This is a terrible persecution. You know, this exact sort of thing is happening all around our world at the moment, isn't it? Because people hate Jesus. Now you might get to this point in Acts and you might be thinking to yourself, what's happened? Hang on, things were going so well. Has God lost control here? What's going on? God hasn't lost control at all, has he? Because as you read on into verse four, you read this. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the message of good news. Persecution is a terrible thing, but God takes hold of it and uses it for great good. You know, actually squashing Christianity in Jerusalem was probably the worst thing the Jewish leaders could have done, wasn't it? They kind of tried to squash it, but it went and went everywhere. Christianity spreads. Do you remember the the mission statement of this book? Back in chapter one, verse eight. Go back to chapter one with me. Chapter one, verse eight. This is the risen Jesus giving the sort of mandate to his followers. Chapter one, verse eight, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, so far we've got Jerusalem all sewed up, good and proper, but it hasn't gone beyond there, has it? It's just stopped. The mission is stalled. And so God, using persecution, makes it spread out. He gets his his mission back online. So you'll notice in chapter one of verse eight, the second half says, all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Just like in chapter one, verse eight. The mission's getting back online. And then we meet the Ethiopian, a fellow from the ends of the earth. And God's mission goes on. Nothing will stop his mission. Not even evil. I have this uh, favorite film, which I hope you haven't watched because it's like total B grade, maybe even C, I'm not sure. It's called The Vidiot from UHF. Anyone? Dave's nodding his head. How have you seen that movie? Anyway, it's a great movie. Uh, Widel Jankovic. There's this moment where he's, um, he's having a daydream and he's pretending he's Rambo and um, Rambo walks into this military installation and all these enemies start shooting at him and he catches a bullet in his mouth and then starts chewing it and then spits it out at all his enemies, and shoots them all down. Now, totally ridiculous, right? Okay, and this is probably a bit sacrilegious, but God is a bit like that. Yeah, it's a low blow, I know. But, but what he grabs what his enemies try to do against him, the, kind of, uh, the persecution they offer his people. They're trying to stop his mission, and he takes hold of it, turns it around, and uses it against them, spreads his gospel out. God is the Lord of his mission. It's not up to us. It's up to him. And nothing will stop him from making it happen. This is the year of evangelism, right? Church by the Bridge evangelism this year. We're going to pray like crazy. We're going to talk to people about Jesus. And then we're going to relax. Because it's up to God. It's his mission that he moves forward. And he moves it forward often through suffering, through persecution. I saw a video during the week of a young guy called Stephen in Myanmar. And every time they try to share about Jesus, they receive great persecution. But he says this. He said, we believe that where persecution is there, the gospel rapidly spreads. So we try to find persecutions. It's crazy guys seeking out persecutions because that's where the action's at. So often as a church, we we flee from discomfort and any kind of suffering. But friends, that's where the action's at. So often, people will not get to know the comfort of the gospel unless God's people become uncomfortable. So often, the cross won't make sense to people unless we bear a cross. It can be hard work, it can be uncomfortable, but God works through that. He is the Lord of his mission. So God is bringing his good kingdom into a dark world, but here's the second half. He does that through ordinary, obedient speakers. So look again with me at verse four. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the message of the good news. Who were they? Just all the Christians. Just any Christian. See, see, this mission, of uh, the story of Acts, is, is not the blockbuster movie that you sort of sit back and watch. It's reality TV. You get involved. We become actors in this story. The specific example we're given here is Philip in this chapter. And we must note, this is not the Philip from Mark 3 that we read during the week, the apostle Philip. This is the Philip from Acts chapter 6, the table waiter. He's a table waiter, God does his great missionary work to the ends of the earth through a table waiter, people like us. And so look with me at verse 25, chapter 8, verse 25. Then after Peter and John had testified and spoken the message of the Lord, they traveled back to Jerusalem, evangelizing many villages of the Samaritans, great work apostles, but who does God have a special work for? An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. See, God entrusts his his great mission to the ends of the earth, to ordinary people who just obey him and speak. The apostles are there in Jerusalem, sort of at HQ, but the ordinary people take their message out. And I feel a bit like that here at church. Uh, Me and the other ministers, we're kind of in the office a lot of the time and you guys, you're out there. You know, you're in offices and hospitals and schools and building sites and, and, and homes and parks. You're all over the place taking the gospel out, bringing God's good kingdom into this dark world. Well, that's kind of the idea of this section, just right there. That's kind of it for tonight. God is bringing his good kingdom into this dark world through ordinary Christians. And we see that played out uh, through Philip in two ways, in Samaria and then with the Ethiopian. So let's just, let's just see that happen as we read through this next section of, of Acts 8. First in Samaria. And I want to just show here, I want to focus in firstly on just the goodness of this kingdom. Because when it comes to Samaria, this is a place, it's a really dark place really. The Samaritans were sort of the enemy of God's people, far from God. The Jews would would think of them as demon-possessed. They'd call them like mongrels, crossbreeds. And these particular Samaritans have got another boundary, another barrier. They've got this guy, Simon, who's calling himself the great power of God, but he's not God. He's a false God. And he's got them in his thrall. They're astonished at him. They're captivated by this guy but not by God. How's the gospel going to get to these people in in their darkness, in their lostness and bondage? But what happens is a table waiter turns up in town. Philip talks to them about Jesus. And look at verse 6 with me and see how they respond. The crowds who had been paying attention to Simon, the crowds paid attention with one mind, to what Philip said as they heard and saw the signs he was performing. They paid attention to something different here. They're captivated by something new. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip, uh, believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. They heard this good news about a new kingdom and a greater king and a better power And they wanted a piece of it. They got baptized into it. They said, I want to be part of that. A a new kingdom. And a king who sets them free. You see these signs of freedom as Philip uh, drives out demons and and heals them from diseases and from disability. God is underlining this is my message by giving signs. And there's no surprise in verse 8. There was great joy in that city. Even Simon himself was turned to follow Jesus. Our our world lies in quite a similar place to this Samaritan city, friends. We live in a world in bondage, a world of darkness, where people are far from God, captivated by things that are not God, captivated by the promise of the Korea, the great power called the Korea that promises so much, promises freedom or by the promise of lifestyle or the promise of the relationship, captivated, giving their attention to these things which are not God and do not bring them freedom, but keep us under bondage. Many of us have been there. But then the message of Jesus, the new king, the great kingdom, broke in for us, didn't it? Set us free. We got to know a better king, a greater power, and he gave us joy the good kingdom came into our darkness. But then we see the other half of this statement here in Samaria as well. God is bringing his good kingdom, but it's God who's bringing his good kingdom through ordinary people. There's a weird bit in here, isn't there, with Simon? Simon, this guy, he wants to buy this power. Did you get that bit? It's a bit strange, isn't it? So he sees Peter and John come down, and lay their hands on people and, and give them the spirit. And he says, I, I'd like that. I'll give you some cash if I can have that power. What was so wrong with that? Because Peter really responds quite strongly. What was wrong with what he was asking for? Well, verse 20 kind of lays it out pretty plain for us. Verse 20 Peter told him, May your silver be destroyed with you because you thought the gift of God could be obtained with money. The big problem was he wanted to control a gift. The Spirit is God's gift, the gospel is a gift. No one has power over the Spirit, He is a gift. God the Holy Spirit will move his mission forward in this world however he wants to. He will blow where he wants to blow, and we will not have any control over him. Friends, the staff here at church have no more control over the Spirit than you do. We can't make people Christians any better than you can. You might have some good words to say, but that doesn't change it. We might try to make plans that help us spread the word together, well, and we're really thankful that you kind of get on board and we do that together. It's great to see people last weekend serving at Super Sunday or handing out flyers. Great. But the Spirit doesn't just work through the kind of official channels, does He? He grabs hold of ordinary people and brings us, uh, enables us to speak to others who are in bondage and are far from God and to bring them salvation. Ordinary people like you. We're the people that he entrusts his great mission to in this world. That's what Philip was doing in Samaria. And that's what he does again in the next scene with this Ethiopian. And so that's the last scene we're going to look at. Would you look with me at verse 27 where we get introduced to this Ethiopian? Verse 27. So Philip got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. Uh, This long description is meant to surprise us. In fact, the old translations put it like this. They say, so he got up and went, and behold, an Ethiopian man. Behold, what's this guy doing here? Seriously? I meant to talk to this guy? Because he's a total foreigner. He's a black guy. He's, he's foreign. Uh, he might have been uh, reading, uh, he might have been in Jerusalem worshiping God and he's into his Bible. That's great. But he's right at the outskirts of, of who you could possibly call one of God's people. To make matters worse, he's a eunuch. And eunuchs weren't really allowed, really allowed to come nice in and, and close to, to, to God's people. There's a lot of things that are keeping him far away. And yet, the mission director, the Spirit, wants him to speak, wants Philip to speak with this guy. And so verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. Notice again, God is moving his mission forward. It's the Spirit directing things. He said, go and join that chariot. And I love Philip's response. Philip ran up to it. (laughs) This kind of ready obedience right into it. And I love what happens. This divine coincidence kind of comes about. The uh, the eunuch happens to be reading the Bible. This happened to me the other day. I was at a park and uh, it was my day off and I I saw this guy lying there reading a book. Is that the Bible? Yes, it was. And I could kind of hear God saying, Dan, you should speak to him. And I was like, God, it's my day off, you know? Like I get a day off from being a Christian, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm at the park with my family, God. But this story was in my mind. I was thinking, oh, I should talk to him. It, it helped, he was a black guy as well. I thought, there we go, this is, wow. This is, it was meant to be, or something. Turns out his name was Simeon, and the guy, traditionally, this Ethiopian guy, his name was Simon. I thought, wow, it's too good to be true. And so I go over to him and I say, nice reading material. Um, Do you understand what you're reading? I thought I should stick with the story. That's what happens in the story. I thought, just give that a go. And he looks up and goes, no, not really. And we had a great chat. Divine coincidence. God just brought me across his path. And speaking of divine coincidences, could the Ethiopian have been reading a better part of the Old Testament? Isaiah 53. Uh, Let's look at that little section. Uh, From verse 32, now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch replied to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this is about? Himself or another person? Friends, often our friends need someone to help them understand the Bible. I hope you can do that. So Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning from that scripture, because this passage is all about Jesus. He is the one who was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Why was he slaughtered? Because in Isaiah 53, the very verse just before this one that's written here is this. We, like sheep, have gone astray. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Isn't that true? We've not followed God and loved him and trusted him. We've turned to our own way. And so the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all, the sin of each of us, Was laid upon Jesus, and then he was led like a lamb to the slaughter at the cross, and he died there for you and for me. Our sin upon his shoulders, so that our sin could be taken away, and we might know God's love and forgiveness and peace with him. Isaiah goes on to say that this lamb, this servant, was raised up to new life to give this blessing of forgiveness to all people, to all nations. And as you read on through Isaiah, you get to chapter 56 that Holly read out. Even the eunuch is welcomed in and brought God's blessing of forgiveness and belonging and future. That is ours. Friends, I don't know if you feel like there's things that are holding you back from God, reasons you can't draw near. Turn to Jesus. He is the one who has taken it upon his shoulders and been blotted out, been sacrificed so that you might live. Well, the eunuch got it. The eunuch got that. He saw Jesus in the scriptures and he said, I want a part of that. I want Jesus to take my sin. And so as they were riding along in the chariot, maybe this is just how I imagine it, he looked out and he said, look, there's some water. Why, why can't I be baptized and become part of this? And Philip said, there's no reason. Because it's a gift. There's no reason. And so verse 36. As they were traveling down the road, he came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? And then verse 38. Then he ordered the chariot to stop and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, The spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch didn't see him any longer, but he went on his way rejoicing. That's what the gospel brought to Samaria. That's what it brought to this man, joy. The rest is, of course, history. The Ethiopian and Sudanese churches even today trace their heritage back to this man. They've built these shrines everywhere about this story. They found this old chariot that was falling apart and they thought, that must have been the chariot. And they a, built a shrine over it. Anyway, what happened to Philip? Well, the passage ends exactly as it, as it began. Verse four: Those who were scattered went on their way, preaching the message of the good news. Verse forty: Philip appeared in Azetus, and he travelled and evangelised, that is, shared the good news in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. In summary, God is bringing His good good kingdom, is joy-bringing kingdom into this dark world, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, and he's doing it through ordinary people who obey and speak. Do you believe that? That's my big question tonight. Do you believe that? That God is at work to bring this good kingdom into our city and into your street and into, into your workplace and into houses and families in our world. Do you believe that? And do you believe He's doing it through ordinary people like us? Yes. Do you believe that God orchestrates every moment of your day, every interaction, every person you meet? Yeah. Well, be ready. Be ready to speak. I've tried to believe that this week. I was walking through North Sydney and I was saying, God, I'm just gonna try to be open to whoever you bring across my path. And a guy stopped me and said, do do you know where the station is? That'll do. So I got talking to him and he was an MBA student from Nigeria, yes, another black guy. That's right, it's a pattern here. Didn't turn out being any sort of evangelistic opportunity but uh, he wants to be a pastor. So we talked together and prayed. Divine coincidence, right? Being open to God using you because that's what He does. He uses us. You might have heard of the Sparks, Shane and Ruth, they're mission partners of ours in Spain. This is how they do evangelism. They go around daily life dropping words in, like, God bless, I'll pray for you. If someone says, It's a beautiful day, they go, Yeah, praise God. And they're looking to see if that person responds in any way. Is God doing a work in that person at all? And if they get some kind of response, they push it. And what they want to do is, like Philip, read the Bible with them and show them Jesus in the Scriptures. The Sparks do that because they believe God is doing a work in this world, bringing in his kingdom, and they believe he's doing it through people like them. Do you believe that? Well, let's be ready to speak. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give an opportunity for us to just share who spoke the message with you and how, how that happened. Just 10 seconds, 20 seconds. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. But my bet is, for most of you, an ordinary person shared the gospel with you. Why can't that ordinary person be us? Let me pray. God, we want to thank you and praise you so much that your kingdom, your good, joy-bringing, freedom-bringing kingdom is breaking into this world. We thank you so much that you're behind it, God. You're making it happen. You're making it happen through ordinary people like us. Uh, Father, we pray, please, that you'd fill us uh, with joy in your kingdom, Um, fill us with a willingness to speak. God, would you make us um, expectant, make us ready uh, to speak for you, Even this week, Lord, we pray you'd bring divine coincidences across our paths. Amen.